Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather to worship and to praise you. And as we gather, we have sung our praises, lifted our petitions, and we hear your word read and proclaimed. But as we listen and as we hear your words, let us take them deep into our hearts and let them transform our lives so that we would leave this place lifting our petitions, singing our praises, but not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. In her autobiography, Life and Death in Shanghai, Nin Chang tells the story of her life and of her six years of imprisonment by the communist authorities. See, she was accused of being a British spy, and so she tells of that night that the end of the workday when she and her co-workers at Shell Oil there in Shanghai were herded out into the street. And as they were herded out into the street, they saw the black jeeps of the Shanghai secret police and they knew that life got very serious at that moment. And immediately the foreign nationals were separated from the Chinese nationals and they watched the secret police begin to interrogate began to ask questions and she knew they would get to her very soon and so she began to recite in her heart the 23rd Psalm. And pretty soon one of the bespeckled cops got to her and said, confess, are you going to confess your crime? And she didn't say anything. She kept reciting the Psalm in her heart. And he said to her, have you lost your voice? Are you going to confess? But she kept reciting. And as she kept reciting it, she felt the fear that she first felt dissipate. And again, he hollered to her to confess. And finally, she opened her mouth and she found her voice and she said, 
I am not guilty. I have nothing to confess. It didn't matter because they arrested her and took her to prison anyway. But it was in that moment that she says, that psalm helped me find my footing. It helped me find my voice. It was of strength and comfort to me for I knew that I had done nothing wrong and yet I was so afraid and that psalm became my foothold and my strength. See, what we just heard the choir sing and Joanna read the 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most popular verses of scripture and most of us know it by heart. It appears in most funerals, including for Christians and non-Christians, Christians, because we find ourselves in our hour of grief, lost in the valley of the shadow of death, and we are looking for a way out. And so we turn to that psalm. But if we remember that the psalms are a hymn book, if you will, it's important to make this distinction that the 23rd psalm is not a funeral hymn. It is a hymn of strength. It is a hymn of God's protection. It is a sign of God's relationship with the world and something to be sung and praised and to serve as a guidance for us. Something that we rely on, yes, when we need strength, but to realize that God is with us always. It evokes that metaphor of the shepherd. And we know that from what we know of history, though we have moved from an agrarian to an industrial to now a technological society, we know that the job of the shepherd was very important. We know that it was hard work. We know that it was tough going because you were out in the fields with the, with the flocks by yourselves and your job was to make sure that they were well cared for, that they ate the good grass, that they were protected from predators and that you always kept up with them, that losing even one sheep had great economic impact on the family. But see, even in the Old Testament days, they understood the metaphor not only for what it literally was, but allegorically the metaphor of the shepherd reminded them of what kings were supposed to do. That kings were supposed to look after the people. That yes, they could sort of steer the people wherever they wanted them to go and boss them around, if you will. But the kings had a responsibility to care for people, to look after them, and to protect them. So then we, fast forwarding thousands of years as Christians, as the resurrection, as the Easter people, we begin to realize that Christ is our Lord and King. And so this metaphor still rings true for us. And so as we look at the 23rd Psalm, we begin to realize that it is a song about provisions. It is a song, it is a psalm about protection and one of preservation. It becomes the foundation and our strength upon which our faith lives and albeit all of our lives can be built and can live each and every day. So we take the job of the shepherd and we break it down into those ideas, the idea of, of feeding and protecting and preserving. We begin to see how God, our shepherd in heaven, does the same for us. The job of the shepherd is to make sure that the flock was fed and well cared for. And so this idea of provision is both in a literal sense sustenance, but there's a theological side to it too. When we think about it, when we think of all of creation, we hear in the Bible time and again that God will provide, that we do not need to worry about tomorrow for God will give us what we need. 
But when it comes to food and water, we realize that that has been given to us since creation. When God ordered creation and he created all the plants and the animals and even humanity, there was enough food so that everything would survive. We were given dominion over creation to care for it so that we would keep that perfect order going. How are we doing with that? We should be asking ourselves, if God entrusted us with creation, how are we doing to make sure that we're caring for it so that all the animals, all the plants, and even our brothers and sisters around the globe have enough to eat? They have clean water. And so we begin to think of ourselves when we hear in that Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We begin to realize that God has provided us this stuff. It's up to us to make sure that everyone receives the bounty of the Lord, the gifts of creation. So when we hear about food deserts and about children who have no food on the weekend, that's when we step in to look at ways to address hunger and clean water in America and around the globe. But it's not just about physical food, is it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. This is about that theological, that spiritual nourishment that comes. You know, life is sometimes that we find ourselves in the midst of turmoil and turbulence and it seems to be where we are lost and we don't know our way and we're not sure which end is up and we're not having our best days or maybe our best weeks or maybe even our best year. And somewhere along the way, if we will just take a moment out, we realize that God is there trying to fill the emptiness of our souls back up. There's a story that, that gets told from time to time. It's of a woman, she goes to the grocery store and like anyone, she kind of goes to the grocery store and you kind of see the same people. Once you walk in, you kind of run into the same people as you navigate the aisles. So there was a young mom that was sort of a half an aisle ahead of her. She had a toddler in the basket and the toddler was having one of those terrible two thrilling three kind of days, right? Lots of whining, lots of no, lots of fussing. Something just wasn't seeming working. And this woman watched the young mom and the young mom would say things like, Susie, it's gonna be okay. Susie, it's gonna be fun. They would go down the cookie aisle and the toddler would see cookies and would want them and the mother would say no and the kid would put, pitch a fit and the mom would say, Susie, it's gonna be okay. Susie, it's gonna be fine. And this woman watched this exchange happen from the vegetable aisle all the way over to the frozen food section and all the way to the register. And she felt like she should offer a word of encouragement. So she approached the young mom when they were at the, cash, at the checkout line and she tapped her on the shoulder and she said, I want you to know you are an awesome mother. Now, first of all, side note, if you have ever had a toddler in your grocery store like that, wouldn't it be nice if someone thought you were awesome because, well, they're toddlers. But wouldn't it be great if someone would take the time out to tell you you're doing a good work as a parent? Maybe we should do that when we see it in action. But anyway, so she goes to the woman and she says, you're such a good mom. Susie is so lucky to have you as a mom. And the woman, the young mother kind of looked at her kind of quizzically and she looked at her daughter and she looked back at the woman and she goes, well, I heard you telling, talking to her all the way through the grocery store, telling her, Susie, you're okay. Susie, this is just fine. And the young mom just sort of started laughing. She goes, my name's Susie. <laughs> and there you have it some days, right? No, I'm telling myself that, that it's going to be okay. 
You know, you have those days, if you've been around small children, you know, some days they have those days where they are just unconsolable, that they are just not having their best days. And some days the best thing that works is to pick them up and to hug them close and just to whisper gently in their ear, shh, it's going to be okay. And to pat them on the back, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And pretty soon their tears go to that, they can't catch their breath, and then they finally calm down. Well, my friends, when we don't have our best days, when we're having days in which we're unconsolable, when we're lost, when we want to throw a gigantic adult temper tantrum, if we will just sit still long enough and open our ears and open our hearts, if you listen closely, God in heaven has got a hand on our shoulder and saying, it's going to be okay. I'm right here. It's going to be okay. And so as the psalmist writes, the psalm who realizes it's about provision, it's about sustenance of real food, but the spiritual sense where God's spirit is filling us back up and calming our hearts and our souls so that we can hear what God has to say to us. The next part of the psalm is this idea of protection of the shepherd is supposed to keep the flock safe. We remember from the story of Jesus's birth where the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Shepherds were always watching their sheep. They slept in shifts during the day because at night was when the predators came and the darkness was when bad things happened. So they were fully awake and fully aware and fully on watch all at that time. Well, God has the same dream for us. God wants us to be protected from the evils and, the, and the, the ugliness of the world. And so as the psalmist writes, he leads me on paths of righteousness for his namesake. What he's really saying to us is God really has a desire that you and I live a certain way so that we don't have to face the tough times because of our own, our own mistakes, our own foolishness. It reminds me of what a friend, her father gave her advice and said, dear, if you will always tell the truth, you won't have to remember the lie. Here's one of those great pieces of parental advice, but when you really unpack it, there's a lot of wisdom in there, isn't it? That if you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember the lie because you always have told the truth. In other words, you're not going to go down a road that gets you into bigger trouble. See, God wants us to avoid the pain in life. And so if we will take a step back and quit thinking it from time to time that we know the right way to go. And if we will let God lead us, God will lead us down the right road. But just in case we don't follow where he leads us. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. In other words, sometimes in life we get down the wrong road anyway. We find ourselves surrounded in darkness. We find ourselves in turmoil and upsetness and just this untenable sense. And what we remember back in Isaiah 43 is remember when God said, I called you by name and you are mine. Though the waters may rise, though the rivers may flow over the banks, and may try to sweep you away, the fire may try to consume you because you are mine, I will keep you safe. I will keep you from being consumed. I will keep you from being washed away. I will keep you from drowning. See what it is, is God's presence is all around us. So that even when we're in the dark valleys, God is carrying us and holding us up. 
It's like that old poem that we you see on seashells and whatnot in the gift shops at the beach about footprints in the sand where uh, we go through life and sometimes when life is really tough, we think we're alone, but the reality is we're not because God is lifting us and carrying us even at the lowest points in our lives. Because that's what the shepherd does. The shepherd protects. The shepherd chases the wolves away. Our God in heaven is always watching us, always guiding us, always ready to carry us if we listen. And then finally, what we hear and what we know of the shepherd is their job is to keep the flock together. We know from scripture when Jesus tells the parable of the good shepherd, he tells about the parable of the one that will leave the 99 to get the one that is lost. You see, one lost sheep mattered so much to the shepherds and to the owners of the flock, it mattered so much. And so what God says is, I love you so much that even if you run away from me, I will come find you and bring you back in. Not only will I do that, but I love you so much and hold you in such high esteem that I'm gonna throw the best banquet for you. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. What God is really saying to us through the psalm is that I am here always and I love you so much, I will throw a ridiculously huge banquet for you. So years ago when MTV was making their transition from music videos to whatever kind of reality program they're doing, they dabbled in this reality program show called My Sweet 16. And they found like the 40 richest people in the entire world that had teenagers so you might say they might be the luckiest 40 teenagers on the face of the earth. And they threw them these big blowout Sweet 16 parties where people arrived in these huge limos and there was food galore and there were bands and there were thousand dollar party favors. I mean, ridiculous amount of opulence just thrown at these teenagers because they turned 16. And it was kind of nuts. And while people would get offended at how much was expended and some kids were jealous because their parents wouldn't throw them a party like that even remotely at all, that wasn't the point that I saw. The point that I got in this was, imagine how big these parties were and God would take all of these parties, lump them together and then magnify it times 10 because that's the type of banquet God throws for us because God loves you and I that much every day. So when God says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, it means that God wants to show the world how much we are loved, that the world that wants to be against us, God says, you can't because these are my children and this is how much I love them. Anoint is my head with oil till my cup flows over. There's so much goodness that God gives us that it can't even be contained in the best of cups. It just pours all out all over the table of grace for us for the whole world, because we are all God's children. And then finally, we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely God's goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It means that no matter where we go in life, that God is with us and that there is a place in God's house for the entire world, especially for you and for me. So as Brett acknowledged in his prayer early this morning that it's weeks after Easter, 
Let us not lose sight of the joy of the Easter celebration, the joy of the resurrection. Because the joy of the resurrection says that no matter where we are in life, that we are not alone. No matter where you are in life, you are not alone. That God is standing right there beside you. No matter where we are, God is with us. Providing for us. Protecting us. Holding us closely together in God's family. See, Nin Ching knew that. So she stood on that street corner, she stood on that curb, and she knew that her life was about to change, it was about to get very dicey for her. She knew that the tribulation was rising up, but that she anchored her soul in the 23rd Psalm, and that was her assurance. That was the foundation of her faith and the foundation of her strength. So let it be the same for you and for me. I don't know what we will face this week. I don't know what we're going to face when we walk outside the doors. But if we anchor our lives on the 23rd Psalm where it is the foundation of our faith today and tomorrow and all the days to come, then we realize that God, our shepherd, God, our king, Christ, the son of God who loves you and me and raised from the dead for us, surrounds us with a love that cannot be overwhelmed, but instead a love that overwhelms the world, that provides, protects, and preserves you and me because God loves us, and that's good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.